0: Welcome to Business Therapy, the podcast that explores the intersection of business and mindfulness. In this show, we bring you stories and expert insights on how mindfulness can help you succeed in your career and lead a more fulfilling life. Let's talk about it on Business Therapy.
1: Hey, everyone, welcome back to Business Therapy Episode 67. This week, we're happy to invite Simon Chan on the show. Simon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Simon is the author of The Consistency Pill, and he has a lot of insight and knowledge to share around how do we stay consistent as a foundation for personal and professional success. So, Simon, to get started, I'd love for you to just give Jonathan and I and also the audience just a little bit of background on yourself, uh, your book, and and your passion around this consistency concept.
2: Well, I was... uh... Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, I'm a shy, quiet Asian kid. Grew up there. My parents were immigrants, came from Hong Kong, and I, um, my dad was dad was rags to riches. You know, grew up in the ghetto in Hong Kong, studied hard, and became a doctor and came over. And I was always grew up as the richest kid in the public school, right? Not really wealthy, but pretty wealthy. And you know, we had three Mercedes as a kid. Um, but I always I was a huge sports fan. And I always wanted to play sports with my dad, and he was he was either at the hospital, at the private clinic, at his practice. And I was born, you know, raised a very stereotypical Asian way, where you study, study hard, you know. and so that's what I did. I never was into studying. But my parents just forced me to study, and eventually went to Columbia University, where I basically didn't learn nothing there but uh, I mean, I, I could talk a little bit more about that, about consistency uh, w- with my college experience. But when I graduated, I just had a job, I had a low paying job at the NBA. I was a huge sports fan. So it was a dream job. And I thought I was just going to be, um, you know, work 40 years and then have a corner office and retire. And then I read a book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that totally changed my life. And it taught mm-hmm. me the concept of passive income. And throughout the whole time, I never knew that. I thought, past, you know, you just work, work, work. And you can actually don't need to work and still get paid. So once I discovered that, I realized that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want, you know, my dad had money, but he didn't have time. I wanted to have time and money. So that got me seeking to look for what type of business. I didn't have many, uh, any upfront capital. I definitely had no business ideas. It's not very entrepreneurial. And I stumbled uh, upon direct selling. And at that time, I didn't know what network marketing was. Some people say it's negative. Don't touch it. Uh, but around the same time, while I was researching, I thought about doing a franchise, but the, uh, doing a Subway franchise back in to, 2002. Uh, but I didn't have the money for the startup fees. And then I read Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. You know, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. God's a big part of me. And I realized after doing through the 40 days of exercises that my purpose is to have a positive impact as many lives as possible. And even though I'm shy and quiet, uh, I always liked mentoring and coaching. So even when I was in, as a kid in college, I would, for example, I was a counselor in my church for the youth kids. Uh, I also helped out with bas- running basketball clinics in Chinatown, getting the kids off the ghetto, right? So that's how I got started. 2003, I found a company with nutritional products. I got started in November 2003 and um, built a seven-figure business. And then 10 years ago, back in April 2013, I transitioned and launched my second company, which is um, a training company for people in direct selling. So that's a little bit about my background. And the reason I wrote that book, you asked about the consistency pill, because there's so much personal development out there. And over the years, especially in my space, you know, it's, it's learning to generate sales and leading people to build a sales team. There's so much personal development and there's great stuff out there, great books, but I still see a lot of people failing. And the reason why they fail is because they never create the momentum uh, in selling because of the lack of consistency. And I, and going back to my journey, when I got started in 2003, I didn't know anything about business, never had any marketing skills, and I struggled for many, many months. Uh, the main problem was the lack of consistency. Like, I was always a good employee, very good at doing what I was told, but I didn't have any self-initiative and discipline to stay on track. And the turning point was uh, my mentor, came out and really forced me. I have discovered a mentor that came on later on, like five, four or five months into the business, and uh, really pushed me. He was kind of like the personal trainer in the gym that you can't stand, but it's good for you. He was the one who got me going. And then that was the turning point, and everything else became pretty good afterwards.
0: Can you describe more, uh, there's a moment in time when you realize that you wanted to add value, like you had a, like your purpose, like, was there was there something bef- that came before that, and then came then you know, like did, did something make that happen, or h- how did that come about?
2: Hey, I, I, I'm so sorry, Jonathan. You know my yeah. Wi-Fi. It's like raining out here. I just switched to a different Wi-Fi. You were choppy, so I lost you. I'm not, okay, you, know, you just it, repeat that I, question Am again? I frozen?
1: No, I, I'm here. You looks like Simon is frozen. I, I
2: think it's on my end. Um. It's on my end. I apologize for that. Oh, uh,
1: you're here. Yeah. There I'm, e- I'm still here. Okay. You're back.
0: Okay. We- sure. So, so Simon, you mentioned that there, there was a point at which you realized you want to add value. Like you, you you had more direction, you know, towards some sort of purpose. Was that something was there a before that and an after that, did something bring that about or, uh, if you could just go into a little more explanation about that.
2: Yeah, I think, um, well, to be fully honest, like when I got started in business, I, I didn't really, I, I, you know, I read the book and I felt like God's purpose was to have a positive impact as many lives as possible, right? But I really, and you know, when I got started in business, I didn't really have that purpose. Right now, that purpose led me to start a business, to choose that avenue, choose that industry of direct selling, but I could say it was really saying it but not really living it right I just wanted to make money. I wanted a passive income I wanted that's why but it wasn't until like a couple of years later when I start did start making the money and I felt that the money alone, I think we all know doesn't make you happy. I, I saw and I would do a lot of things in my business that didn't make sense money-wise but gave me satisfaction because I was able to help someone. Like, uh, for example, I will work with certain teams that because of the payout structure, I would earn a lesser commission than the working on building, getting new sales. Right. But because I like those people and seeing them grow gave me more satisfaction than earning an extra five hundred dollars a week in my business. So that's when I really discovered, like, it's about purpose. Right. And you see all these leaders. If you're driven by money, people are not following you. And ultimately, if you want success in your business, it's got to be. You know, we often give up on ourselves, right? When things are tough, but we don't give up on others. And when you make the purpose greater than yourself, that's when the real fun begins. So I think that it was probably about maybe a year or two years into it where I found myself doing things that made me really happy. And you can say, quote, more successful, but not necessarily making me the most income. But I didn't didn't mind because it was touching the lives and seeing people change. Like one of my friends was able to... uh, leave his job, right? He had like a rat race job and leave his job and more flexible, visit his his parents in Ohio, do stuff. That made me more happy to see him do that. Made me more happy in the extra $500 a month. And that's what I realized. Hey, for the long-term, for any business to to be a long-term business, you have to be driven by purpose.
0: Yeah. we've, we definitely have, have covered the, General idea of how unsustainable it is to just chase money and not have some sort of higher a purpose, and and it's leading to my next question of.
2: Is hey, no, well, oh, one sec, I just want to show this. You know, normally I would wear this, but it's kind of it's weird in LA. It's actually cold, and I work in a garage. We don't have heat here. But I normally would wear this shirt, and this is our shirt for our group. Purpose is greater than money. Mm. <laughs> right, right. You no know, it's a right. shirt i have to wear my hoodie on today so yeah, i mean in our, in our community is purpose-driven networkers right because if you're driven by purpose you're gonna have to you're gonna way be way more successful
0: and do you see a relationship between consistency and purpose or yeah, is I, there... absolutely
2: right absolutely because most of the times if you want to grow you're never going to be there's a lot of things you don't like to do and if it's just driven by money, like I said, we quit. We give up on ourselves, right? Uh, but if we driven my purpose to help others. We don't give up on others. And I'll give you an example. just staying consistent. It's like, just talk about like health-wise, right? If you just say, oh, I want to get healthier, I got to go to the gym seven days a week, right? That is, you, you, you know, we all have done it. We skipped a workout or two, right? But if my purpose was to teach my boys, I have three boys, to set an example for them what healthy living is, if that's my purpose for them to be healthy. I'll probably and they're watching me. I'm not going to give up on that. I'll be at the gym seven days a week.
1: Yeah. So fo- following up on that idea of consistency, you you also described in your life you had another light bulb moment. So you had one earlier on about purpose, and then you had another one It sounded like later on where you said, I'm not being consistent. And consistent is such a specific word. Could you describe a little bit about how you realized some of my personal processes or my methods are not consistent? And what did that What did that come into your mind like? So the turning point was,
2: I was driving, I was dealing with my parents, and you know, uh, I'm in an industry with 100% commission, right? So if I uh, attended a training call, like a sales pep talk, talk call, right? I'll get motivated. I'll do a little bit. And and then, you know, of course, I get distracted. I slack off for two or three days. In the weekends, I'll be hanging out. And then on Monday, Tuesday, I'll do a little bit. And then basically, I was listening to this uh, training. I burned it onto a CD. I was, I was visiting my parents in New York. And on a cold December, this is December. I still remember the date, fellas. It's December 28, 2003. And the guy was like saying, if you're doing that on Monday, Tuesday, and then take a couple of days off, and then a Friday, you're never going to be successful because you're never going to have the momentum to hit those sales targets, right? You don't get good at anything if you're doing it on and off. That was the turning point. I got so angry at myself. Basically, I said my New Year's resolution for that day, for that year, 2004, was to work on the business every single day. I don't need to do a lot of it, but just a little bit each day. So I actually, as I started January 1st, 2004, and it's because, you know, every master was a disaster. And everything we did, we were a disaster when we first started. But consistency creates mastery. If you do something over and over and over again, you get good at it. Right. Um, you know, in my book, my first page, something I, I do with my boy, you can probably see I'm I'm a huge baseball fan. And I do my all three of my boys, but this was especially my oldest one. I never played high school baseball, college baseball. I did play basketball, but when my son wanted to um he started off like couldn't even barely hit a ball, right? When he was like six, five, five and a half, almost six years old. And I just went to YouTube, discovered some drills and just I worked with him every single day. Within one or two weeks, he got so much better. Within a month, right? He was one of the best kids in this entire team. Within like six months, he was one of the best kids in the entire league, right? Because consistency compounds. And I think that's what a lot of people don't, you know, we live in a world with instant gratification. We want it fast, fast, fast. It doesn't work that way. I think in this world now, in this distraction economy with fast, instant gratification world, the one that can delay gratification
1: the most, that's the one that's going to win. Mm-hmm. I guess it's an interesting inter- intersection, though, because you talk about you can't just be consistent with anything. You have to have a purpose there, too, right? So how do you know? Because it sounds there's a part of consistency. Everyone, I think, would love to say, well, if I just forced myself to get up and do something at least a little bit every day, I would get better at it and I would approach mastery. But that's not sustainable, right? If it's not the right kind of thing. And that comes back to the purpose piece. So I'd love to hear your thoughts a little bit more on how do you balance that? How do you know when you're not pushing through because you are purposeful about something, but you're lazy versus this is just the wrong thing? Like, how do you pick what things and what are the signs to be more consistent? Well, I talk about in the book uh, the reason why a lot of goals fail is
2: because you're not applying these seven components of the consistency Mm -hmm. system, right? So you have a system. So uh, to answer your question, the first, component is to have a checklist so whatever you want to achieve you got to first of all break it down to what specifically you want to you need that needs to be done right so for example when i uh expanded my business into the philippines there's certain things like for example i was networking in philippine groups i did facebook advertising targeting certain interest groups in the philippines you got to be very specific in what you want to do so going back to your question sam if you say like i want to achieve this and you break it down into a checklist and you look at a checklist like no I don't want to do that then that's probably the wrong goal yeah you, mm. you you shouldn't be consistent with that so first one you got to be clear on that checklist and that will also determine the strategy you want to go go about in achieving that
1: okay so basically you want something you want your your advice is you got to comp- like compartmental or break it down first and if you look at the broken down version of all the little steps and you don't want to do a good percentage of them it's probably the wrong you have no purpose there. Is that the summary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you don't want to do that, um, and, and now wanting to do it
2: and needing to do it is different, right? But it goes back to your goal, right? If your goal, what is the reason why you want to do that, right? Going back to your purpose, like, like if I wanted to expand in the Philippines, why? What's the greater purpose? And that, per- and then if you're not clear with that, it doesn't matter what checklist you're doing. Right, so for example, um, if I wanted to run, a, if I wanted to run an Ironman, right, uh, and which is one of the things I want to do eventually in my life, but not right now, and I look at the checklist, and as a guy, can't do that. That's not something I want. That that's not going to ultimately give me the satisfaction I want because there's other things that that's more that's that's more important that I shouldn't be pr- pursuing that. That that is not my purpose right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So for you then in your story, when you go back to when you started doing direct sales or you started doing sales, because I know sales work is challenging for a lot of people and a lot of people are intimidated by sales, you know, whether you made a formal checklist at that time, but when you started to think to yourself, I need to become more consistent. And you looked at the list of activities that, that were involved in sales. Cause a lot of it is people, you know, you have to make calls, you have to network of things you're doing. Did you look at that and say, Oh, this list seems doable. Cause I know for a lot of people, that'd be the hard part, right? Looking at that list and saying, I don't know if I want to do a lot of those things, but for you, did you find those were activities you naturally like to do? Um, no, there were
2: the activities that I naturally really hated to do. So, but, <laughs> yeah. but it goes back to the purpose, right? I really wanted to be successful. Uh, the way I looked at okay. it is with my background, I was either going to make it and I want to do, I, I always had a vision to go to do the d- different businesses, but this was an entry point. Direct selling was the entry point for me to get some experience and then to launch the other businesses. So, when I started that, I was like, I don't like to say, I have no sales and marketing background, but I realized like you have to do it, right? And then anything in life is a use. And I think going back to what I shared in college, like I didn't learn it. There's only two things I learned in college, which was uh, the my network, I had a lot of friends that were very successful. I was always like the dumbest kid, the least successful kid, the, le- the least financially successful person. So they motivated me. Being that crowd motivated me to achieve more. And the second thing was I never quit. Right, I, There those classes where I got a C, B, C-plus, bad grades, but I never quit. I never dropped the class. I was able to do what it takes, do whatever I didn't want to do, and just go through it and, and finish it. I think finishing is really important. Like, if you, and that's one thing I teach my kids, like, finish. If you start something finished, even if you finish it bad, just finish it, because not finishing develops a habit of quitting very easily later on. So those are the two things I learned in college. When I first started, I didn't want to do these sales, these reach outs, these follow-ups. I've never done a presentation. Um, but and I was just like, I'll give all type of excuses of why not to do it. But I realized like my mentor, my late mentor, Jim Rohn, says, you know, in order for things to change, you must change. Right? In order for, don't make the million for the million, but make, for, make the million for the million for the person you're going to become. Right. And I was a person that didn't want to do that. She said, well, don't make the million for the million. Make the million for the person you're going to become. You're going to be tougher. You're going to be better at sales. And if you want to make any money in any type of business, you always got to be selling. Right. You're either selling a product or service or you're selling yourself. And then the last thing another mentor taught me was, you know, successful people do things that unsuccessful people don't successful people do things that unsuccessful people don't. And I'm just like, all right. And, I, and then I remember I talked back to wait, but that's not fair because sales and marketing, successful people like to do those. A lot of these things, I just don't like it. So it's easy for them to do it. I he's like, no, no, Simon, you don't get it. All the things you don't like to do, all those successful people you look up to, they also hate doing it, but they do it anyway. And that was like a turning point. I was just, all right, just do it anyway. And then you, you know, you, it's like, you got to sow the seeds, in order to to reap and and get the harvest.
0: How do you, Uh, or what advice would you give to parents when, like, just looking back at your childhood, you had a pretty good example, it seems like, of consistency and what you needed to do to be successful, but it's something you still had to learn later on. You didn't necessarily connect the dots of, like, seeing, you know, seeing an example and then being able to do it. How do you inculcate this idea with kids when they certainly don't have a purpose yet, you know, as it were, they're just everything's just work to them on some level. So, so how do you how do you help a child develop without
2: having to learn this later on? Yeah, um, I think the important thing that for as a uh, to teach kids, and that's a tough question, is really teaching about the right values and mindset. Right? Like I I grew up with parents that were really like uh, dragon dad, tiger mom, like study, study, study. You know, academics is important, but like, I, I felt like I was burned out from that. For my boys, I just teach them, as long as you have the positive attitude and you don't quit, eventually. And then learning to sell yourself. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things. It's actually interesting you asked me this question because I just was, you know, um, we all three of my boys do play competitive baseball and in the car, these are the lessons. So I just shared with them the other day, it's like, you got to be the purple cow, right? Be different. Kind of be contrarian. Right? If you want to fit in with everyone else, you're going to end up like everyone else. And if you look at everyone else in the world, most people are not successful. Mm-hmm. So you got to be somehow different. But you got to have the, the most important starts here, the mindset. If you're visualizing negative, you're going to end up negative. right? Now, visualizing positive doesn't guarantee success, but visualizing negative guarantees failure. So you might as well visualize positive. And I just had the whole pep talk with my oldest son the other day because he was feeling down. He wasn't hitting as well. well. but So those are the things I teach your kids. like As long as you have a positive attitude, Right, believe you can having a growth mindset now. And this is something I wish my, my parents told me to study, but I never had this. And I think that's why for a good tw- first 20 something in my life, I didn't have any success. I was struggling, right? I was frustrated at myself. It's because I, I had a fixed mindset. Like, hey, I'm a shy, quiet Asian kid. English is my third language. I can't speak well. So I'm just going to, you know, you know, I'm just going to, like my parents say, just focus on science and math, right? Uh, because Asians are better in science and math. But I was all messed up because I sucked in science and math. So I'm like, something wrong, what's wrong with me, right? So just know that having a, a growth mindset, like, you know, if they if they do it wrong, they don't get in trouble. But if they say, I can't do this anymore, this is too hard, then, uh, you know, you're getting punished. Because you want to adopt the I can. Now, I mean, not today, but I will eventually. And if you adopt the I can, I can maybe I'll get a one one percent better. I can attitude eventually as that consistency creates mastery, eventually you'll get good at whatever you're pursuing.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think connecting the two, the making them finish coupled with the positive attitude, because the the negativity, the first time something goes wrong or they're not, you know, they're not seem to be in line with whatever their goal is, that's when they quit. You know, so not yeah, letting them uh, do absolutely. that.
2: Absolutely. And, m- and you know, we always finish. finish. And I'm sorry yeah. I'm cutting you off because there's a little delay here. So speaking about finishing, uh, this is something I learned, and I wish I knew this as early on, right? Because, you know, well, we, we practice baseball like seven days a week, right? Uh, even when on rainy days, we'll find a way to practice in the house. On vacations, we take a bat and we swing in the parking lot, right? My oldest son, has big ambitions. He wants to play at a really high level. And we always end on a positive note. Right. One of my mentors told me, what's the most important ski run of the day? The most important ski run is the last ski run. Because if you wipe out, then the next day you don't want to get up back on the slopes. Right. You always end on a good note. So related to not quitting, no matter what happens when we in baseball, we always end on a good hit when we're practicing. Because that's what is in the mind. With the mind is so powerful. If you're visualizing negative, you're gonna get negative. If you end up bad, then you know you, the stuff goes in your subconscious. The next day, you're not going to be excited to practice. So not only we don't quit, you always end on a positive note. And I teach this to my clients. Like when you're prospecting, when you're making sales calls, don't end on a bad sales call, right? If you call someone to end on a good sales call, because that will mo- that will create consistency the next day, right? Even if you have no one picking up the phone, send a message or like a Facebook, a text message, send some type of message to know that you did it and you conquered your fear. You conquered yourself. And you end on that positive note.
1: Mm-hmm. So I want to go back a little bit because this quitting, this not quitting thing, I'm trying to keep in my mind the whole idea of making sure that you're aligned with your purpose. Because we, Jonathan and I also, we think that's extremely important. But I also understand the benefit of persevering and knowing that you should try to push through to the end. But at what point are, do you have to build awareness and say, I'm in an activity or I'm in a, in a business where I've realized that this is not my purpose anymore. Wouldn't it be better at that point to stop than instead of pushing through? There must be some balance there. And I'm wondering your thoughts on mm. that.
2: That's a good day. It's got a good question. It's like um, Seth Godin wrote a book about that, like right? The Dip. I think when do you, when's a good time to quit? Like quitting, quitting mm-hmm. is not all oh, quitting is bad, right? Like quitting smoking is a good thing, right? So, yeah. uh, and then quitting, sometimes you're going down the wrong road, you gotta quit. I think, first of all, is when you start on something, you got to have an exit, exit strategy, exit plan, like like a three year mark or one year mark or six months mark. Where is this going? Right. If you feel it's going in the right direction. So when you if you say I'm going to quit today, there's another thing is never quit on a bad day. Right. If you're going to quit, quit on the good day. Don't quit on the bad day. <sighs> No, because it, it's, it's so easy for us, it. like, oh, I just today didn't go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to give up. And then, yeah. like, you're making an emotional decision, not like a rational decision. So to make sure you're making the right decision, before you start on that goal, pursuit, set a, tar- set a target. Hey, within six months from now, or one year, or like a five-year plan, where am I? And if it doesn't work out, i got to change course. That's number one. And number two is never quit on a bad day, because you don't want to your emotions cloud your judgment.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. There's a, it's a there's a simplicity to it, which is if it's the right idea to quit, you should be able to do it when things are going well, because there's no purpose or no alignment versus it's very easy to quit something just because you get frustrated. So I think that's a really great, that's a very insightful way to think about it. Because I know that it, it's tricky because even, even for salespeople, like you said, I think a lot of people could build the skills, but it's hard to know when you're not aligned like for instance another variation i'd like to ask you in your experience with coaching people when would you tell somebody this is sales is not for you as an example you know it's not that they couldn't be consistent they couldn't practice they couldn't be coached because i think everyone can improve but how do you know early on that would you ever tell somebody this probably just isn't aligned with your purpose and you probably should find something else to do yeah, there are different um, situations for that. Uh, the first is
2: if I'm coaching someone, I really know that they actually put in the effort, right? Um, and also that the factors they're facing is not something that they can control. It's actually outside their control. So, for example, if you are supplying, if you are selling a product, and the supplier, the vendor changes the formulation, right? And that people don't get the same effect anymore. And then you then you don't believe in a product. You don't believe that product can actually help someone. Then that is, yeah, maybe you should consider a switching, right? But I would, that would be like a last resort. I want to make sure that person is not cheating themselves. They actually fully used up all the resources and focus to make it work before they even consider that. So, for example, I had someone that recently that, switched um, a team, a marketing team, right? A mar- switched a marketing team. And it was, it's only because after she worked with me for three months and six months later, she applied everything I taught her because my coaching program was three months long. And I knew she was doing the work because mm-hmm. she was getting results, but she wasn't getting maximum results because there's certain time zone differences and the lack of support from her marketing team. So when she actually said that I should consider, I encouraged her to do that. Because knowing her work ethic and her dedication, she was basically handicapped from that situation. And that was something that she was outside her control.
0: Mm -hmm. But it sounds like there are a few scenarios where it's someone's innate capabilities that would dictate that they shouldn't continue. That it's always, that the, it's their drive and whether or not they want to improve or succeed as opposed to like, Let's say with the um, ba- in, in baseball team, you wouldn't look at someone and say, oh, they're never going to be that great a hitter or something like that. Like, if the kid wants, if there's drive there, it sounds like you would suggest always nourishing it.
2: Yeah, if there's drive there, I mean, even if you sw- switch and stop, uh, like I said, never don't quit on a bad day, right? Create some type of success and leave because it's not, because more important is for your own mindset, right? If, if, think about it, if I, things don't work out and I quit and try something else, what's the narrative in my voice? When I try something new and the next thing I, I have challenges again, what's the story that I'm talking to myself, right? As opposed to like, if I end on a positive note and then I quit and do something else, I know I have a track record of success already. I know I've done my best.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, well, it, it almost comes back to, in my mind at least, It's it's coming back to that growth mindset you articulated. Because in some yeah. ways, ending on a positive note Pushing through things for at least a little bit, even if you don't like them to reach some level of success, it's promoting this constant personal evolution is what it sounds like. And I think that, I mean, that to me makes a lot of sense. Would you Would you th- feel like that's thats a lot of the underlying theory that you're saying? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's really you should be constantly growing no matter what you're doing and kind of exploring. Yeah, we're, we're either, you know, I, um, my Little
2: League team, my seven-year-old son, I'm teaching we win or we and people say, "Oh, we lose. No, you don't lose. You win and you learn. And actually, you learn a lot more when things don't go well, right? We win or we learn. And it's, uh, you know, going back to my late mentor again, is that the day you stop growing is the day you stop living, right? That's when life is no purpose. When you're not growing, not learning, you might as well be dead. What's the point of living?
0: Are there other uh, elements of, the, of your consistency method that uh, maybe we didn't cover that you, you want to share with, the, with, the, with our audience?
2: Yeah, I'll go over the seven components really quickly. Um, I think they're very important. Like we talked about the first one, like and you can apply this to exercise. You can apply this to a new sales routine, or or just a new marketing. You want to create a new social media campaign, right? So, number one is, um, or you can apply this to podcasting anything. Number one is you got to have a checklist, right? Number two is you got to create and schedule the time. If it's not in the calendar, it's not going to happen. A lot of times, like you know, it's like going back to exercising. Anyone who exercises consistently. Uh, they have a routine, right? It's blocked off in the calendar. For so anyone who doesn't exercise consistently, you ask them, when do you exercise? And they say, oh, uh, whenever I have time. And you know that that's never going to happen, right? So, number two is create and schedule that time and create that routine. Uh, number three is determine the strategy. How are you going to do it? Like, even if you exercise, how are you going to do it? Like, is it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, cardio days, Tuesday, Thursday, you know, lift days, leg days, whatever? There's a strategy behind that. Uh, when I, was expanding in the Philippines, there was a certain strategy in terms of people I was targeting, right? Number four is you got to choose your environment. Um, this is important. Environment, like, and that's why home gyms don't work as well, right? Why do people join gyms? Because when you're in an environment, that motivates you to do something, right? And so sometimes, like, I have a beautiful office here, like, but when I do creative work, I actually do it when I'm walking my dog, the ideas. For some reason, whatever, I can do all types of work here, systems work, but... I can't come up with ideas when I'm in here. So change your environment. Just it could be a five minutes in the backyard meditating. Choose that environment. uh, Whatever you need to do. Number five is tracking. Tracking your progress. You have to track. You know the late Peter Drucker says, "Whatever doesn't get measured does not get improved." Track. Just like exercise. You want to get results. You got to track. Component number six is using tools. Uh, Certain tools in every whatever you want to do. There's tools. One good tool is using a timer, right? Using this timer to set an end time for everything. So we've all done it where we are checking emails and wasting time, checking emails how many times a day or, you know, going through social media scroll in the scroll hole. Set a time limit. And those are the things that are important for your business, like social media or emails. To check emails three times a day. I got 10 minutes for emails. Once the 10 minutes up, I'm not allowed to check until until 12 o'clock. And that just forces me to go 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 go, right? Like I'm doing a workshop later tonight, uh, and I, I can spend like hours in a workshop. I just say I want to set a certain amount of time, and then once that timer is up, I can't touch it anymore. I got to move on. And so most people they spend all the time the first time doing something, and then they get burnt out, and then they don't. They say, "Oh, I just spent two hours doing something," and then, of course, you are not going to have the time to do it again to t- uh, the, the following days. Um, the last component is accountability. You know, we're all human. We need accountability. Like, that's the reality. Um, like, you want to exercise better. You want to be an Olympian. If you're listening to this podcast, you want to be an Olympian, right? Like, it's sh- one of the best of the best. And all Olympic athletes have a coach and trainer and accountability. And accountability can be different type of accountability. You have month- I have a monthly accountability partner. I have a daily accountability. And the frequency of that accountability is more important than the how long you talk. Right. So, for example, John, if I talk to you for two hours, then I'm probably not going to talk to you tomorrow or on Monday in the next couple of days. But then, there you go to accountability. It's more like frequent check ins are more important. So, those are the seven components. If you apply those, it will help you achieve your goals.
0: That's yeah. I mean, I I think coupled with purpose, this is uh, um, the 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 only thing that uh, can help people get past the distractions that. today modern life has uh has to offer everybody so uh, i think yeah this is one of the most valuable uh podcasts we've had yeah for sure
1: and with all that fast and furious advice simon you've been sharing with us i'd ask do you have any final words on consistency or if you could give any final message to our audience about how to connect with you or how to really integrate what you're teaching what would it be If there's any final advice, it would be um,
2: the temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner. And I, and I learned that from Bob Parsons, uh, who started GoDaddy. And that was really impact for me back in 2005, 2006. I was expanding my business to Malaysia, and it t- totally made no sense. And I guess this goes back to your question about quitting, right? Uh, I wanted to quit. I said, like, you know what? I'm struggling. I'm not even making money in this market. I had an apartment there. Um, you know, God bless my wife. At that time, we weren't married yet, but she was putting up with me, gone for all this time to Malaysia. I basically lived there for two years. Uh, And just when I was about to quit, everything happened. We got the license to open the market, the products were approved, and then things just took off. So, you know, never, never quit on a bad day. And the temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner. If you do want to quit, know that, hey, success is right there. Just quit when you made it. And uh, if you want to reach out to me, yeah, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Simon W. Chan, or Instagram, Simon W. Chan. You can send me a message. I actually
1: personally uh, check and reply to every message, and I look forward to connecting with you all. Great. Simon, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. It was great having you on the show. Um, for everyone listening, thanks for tuning in Business Therapy, and we'll talk to you all next week.